Welcome to our Harvest Men of Valor podcast. This is Pastor Elijah, and I pray that you're all doing well and that you're enjoying this year's study through the Minor Prophets. In last week's podcast, Pastor Casey did an amazing job giving an overview of the book of Haggai, along with the first nine verses of chapter one. And I want to encourage everyone to listen to that podcast if you haven't, because it sets the tone and it also gives context to everything in this entire book and even some of the stuff that I'm going to be going over today. And this week, we're going to be talking about Haggai chapter 1, verses 9, to Haggai chapter 2, verses 9. So covering a lot, we're going to be kind of taking a bird's eye view of these passages. And we're going to focus on some key verses and a message that I call the glasses of God. So poor eyesight can have a very negative effect on life. It can affect the way that we read. It can affect the way that we drive. It can affect the way that we walk. It can even hinder us from recognizing the right people. It can cause fear. And this is especially true when there's a loss of eyesight as opposed to being born with bad vision, like if someone was losing their eyesight as they got older. And because the entire way that you look at the world changes and you got to be careful and you got to be cautious and you got to move different. And the crazy part about having bad vision is when someone doesn't even realize that they have bad vision. They don't notice that they're perspective is off. And I remember driving with my cousin's grandma, which I guess is a sort of a grandma to me, but she was driving and she had really bad eyes. And I mean, terrible eyes. We would always stop too late. But I remember one particular time at night, she was driving and there was someone riding on their bike. And clearly everyone could see this guy riding on the bike. And by the grace of God, we didn't hit the guy because he rode his bike right in front of us. And I mean, we must've been inches from hitting the guy, but we didn't. And that was by the grace of God, but she could not see him. And I thank God that today we have technology to correct eyesight. Like you can get glasses or you can get contacts. You can even get corrective eye surgery. And there are many stories of people who had poor vision for a long time and never realized how bad their vision was until their eyesight was corrected. And when we look at the people of Israel in the book of Haggai, they were blessed by God. God delivered them from captivity. He brought them back to their land. He restored them. They were rebuilding the wall in the temple. And all of that was funded by Cyrus, the king of Persia, from his own treasury. Yet they didn't have the vision to finish the temple of the very God that delivered them from captivity. But why? As most of you guys know from the book of Ezra, and if you haven't read Ezra, you need to read that because it gives a lot of context to this book. But when they came back to their land, they were excited to rebuild. But the opposition came. They were being opposed to the point where discouragement kicked in. They started to look at things through the lenses of discouragement and their enemies had basically blurred their vision and they lost sight of God. And when you lose sight of God, your perspective of everything else is off and you become stagnant just like Israel was at that time. And what we'll see here is God uses the prophet Haggai kind of as a ophthalmologist to help correct their bad vision and see clearly. Because once they started seeing things through the lenses of God, They had the clarity they needed to move forward. Let's read here in Haggai chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs his own household. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds the fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on man and livestock, 
and on all the labor of your hands. See, at this particular point, and this brings us to our first point, their sight was lost. Because they lost sight of God, their eyes began to focus on the things of the world. And in the previous verses before verse 9, you see that they stopped building God's house and built their own. So basically, their worship suffered because the temple was supposed to be the place of worship. And when the worship suffers, we lose ability to see God in his proper place. And eventually, we are blinded to the things of God. I kind of look at worship like the thing that clears our eyes and our vision so we could see God correctly. And again, when we are not seeing God correctly and putting him in his proper place, everything else around us suffers. And when you read verses 9 through 11, they couldn't see God trying to get their attention. Verse 9, God stopped their prosperity. In verse 10, God stopped their produce. And in verse 11, God stopped their productivity. And it was like God was waving his arms trying to get their attention and they could not see him. And as they were looking away from God, they gave so much attention to their physical opposition that they couldn't see that they were creating a spiritual opponent in God. And when we take our eyes off God, our enemies look bigger and our perception of the things of God gets smaller. And they were so blinded by their enemies that they lost sight of God and couldn't even see him trying to get their attention. And perhaps you're missing God waving his hands at you because you've looked away and you've stopped building his house. The Bible tells us that we are the temple of God. And my question is, how are we building God's temple? How is that going in our life, the building of God's temple? Have we stopped the spiritual disciplines? Have we neglected the reading, the fellowship, and the prayer? Have we failed to offer God worship? And when we look around, are our enemies bigger than God? And if so, just like the children of Israel, maybe we need to get our vision corrected, which brings me to my second point. So number one is their sight was lost. Number two, their sight was restored. In verse 12 through 15 in chapter one, after the prophet Haggai addresses their loss of sight and corrected their vision, Zerubbabel, the governor, Joshua, the high priest, and the remnant of the people were able to see God again. And I'm going to overview these passages for the lack of time. So verse 12 says, they obeyed the voice of God, the words of Haggai, and feared the Lord's presence again. Verse 13 says, Haggai spoke on behalf of the Lord saying, I am with you. Verse 14 says, the Lord stirred up their spirit and they went back to the work on God's house. Family, when you regain your sight and you see the Lord, you begin to do his work again. And just like the person who just got their new glasses and can now see clearly, it gives them more confidence to move freely. The children of Israel could now see clearly that the presence of God was with them and they moved more confidently and freely. And they were no longer fearful of the opposition. They were no longer discouraged by the obstacles because they saw the Lord was with them and they went back to doing his work. See, their sight was lost. Their sight was restored in that instance and they went back to doing God's work. And then number three, their sight was adjusted. This is Haggai speaking to the people again in Haggai chapter two, verses three through five. Who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the high priest, and be strong, all of you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And what you see here is sometimes when you get a new set of glasses, it takes time to adjust. Sometimes you'll get a headache. It takes a little bit of time for you to see clearly. 
Well, even though the people began to work on the temple again, there were those who were alive and saw the OG temple, the original temple, the Solomon-built temple. And the temple was built with a ton of money, a ton of people, at a time where Israel didn't have a ton of opposition. And they were looking at this temple in comparison, thinking, we went from Beverly Hills to Barstow. And it was a shell of its former self. And the problem was their eyes hadn't yet adjusted to the new lenses they were looking through. They were looking at things from a human perspective, and a human perspective sees and judges by appearance. And the human perspective sees a man in a suit without realizing that they're looking at a criminal. And the human perspective sees a house in a nice neighborhood and doesn't see the shattered home inside the house. And the human perspective must be adjusted by the Spirit of God in order to see spiritual things. And they had to be reminded in verse 4 to be strong and work, that the Lord was with them. And in verse 5, another adjustment were that God's spirit remain amongst them and do not fear. See, their spiritual eyes had to be adjusted and they needed to see God was with them regardless of the size of their temple. That the same spirit that dwelt the old temple would dwell in this new temple. And see, you can look like a million bucks but have two dollars to your name and you can live in the hood and live in a godly home. If your spiritual eyes are open, you'll see that even a broken body, ridden with sickness, ridden with injury, ridden with pain, can be a strong temple for the Lord because the Spirit of God is present. And remember the words of Paul the Apostle in Philippians 4, where he says, For I have learned, in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both abound and to suffer. And that's when that verse that is often taken out of context, which applies to the state, whatever state we're in, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And see, some of us are just discontent because we need to adjust our eyes and stop looking at our situation and be content looking with God. Remember, if Christ is in you, then you can do all things. In the book of Haggai, they were looking at this temple They weren't looking at it with spiritual eyes, and God had to say, I am still with you. So, number one, their sight was lost. Number two, their sight was restored. Number three, their sight was adjusted. And finally, number four, their sight was directed. So Haggai 2, 6 through 9, it says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And here we see after their sight was lost, after their sight was restored, after their sight was adjusted, now God directs their sight towards the future. And these verses are essentially saying that in the future, there will come a time where all the nations will worship God at his new temple. And there will come a time where God's glory will be in the house and the treasure will be greater than Solomon's. And he's speaking of the millennial kingdom where Jesus is sitting on the throne in awe of his glory. It'll be a time where Christ will reign, a time to look forward to, a time of future hope. These verses are essentially saying that in the future, there will come a time where all the nations will worship the God of this temple, that there will come a time when God's glory will be in this house and the treasure will be greater than Solomon's treasure. And he's speaking of the millennial kingdom where Jesus 
is sitting on the throne in all his glory, a time where Christ will reign, a time to look forward to, a time where there is a future hope. And see, when you get a glimpse of what's to come and it's good, you can endure the pain of the present. And Romans 8 tells us that our present sufferings can't be compared to the future glory that we have in Christ Jesus. And this, I think, takes it even a step further by saying the past glory, which you've already seen, all the good stuff they saw in the temple before, can't be compared to the future glory of the temple that is to come, which is the temple of Christ where he will be ruling and reigning. And see, their vision was directed towards the future. So their sight was once lost, but God restored their sight. And then God adjusted their sight so they could see things even more clearly and remind them that he was with them. And ultimately, he directed their sight towards a future hope. And I think the moral of the story is we need to put on God's glasses to get that spiritual sight and see things through the lenses of God so we can see, as God says in Haggai 1.13 and again in Haggai 2.5, that God is with us. God is with us. Well, family, that's all the time that I have for this week's podcast. Until next time, if you want to study these things deeper, I want to encourage you to join a Harvest small group. You can join our men's, women's, couples, or co-ed groups at harvest.church forward slash groups. And once again, you're listening to our Harvest Men of Valor podcast. This is Pastor Elijah. God bless.